Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for, for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have it, to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20 takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh the link in the description so uh go sign up yo welcome back to another episode of on the spot sports i'm jack and in today's episode we are joined by a very special guest current first year pro sean giles sean is currently signed to a contract with the cincinnati cyclones of the east coast hockey league he also spent the last four years playing ncaa division one hockey for robert morris university in pennsylvania sean is also one of the hosts for his podcast adversity university with his co-host garrett metcalf welcome to the show sean giles Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, Sean, how are you? Doing well. Time's a little crazy right now. It's, uh, it's honestly a little bit of a mental grind. I, uh, <laughs> I haven't known where I'll be, when I'll be playing since March. So uh, things keep getting extended, pushed back this summer. Uh, like you mentioned, my co-host Garrett Metcalf, he lives with me and we train together. And I remember we were working a little summer job at Home Depot. We saw the NHL playoffs were coming back. We were so excited, but then the wheels started turning. Well, if the NHL is going to start playing late, that means, you know, the pro season is going to get postponed. So we thought maybe around November, December, we'd start. Now I'm hearing that my team is supposed to start in January. Just got another email that won't be till February. So, you know, things are really uncertain and it's been pretty crazy not really having a, a destination or a driving force for the training for the last you know 12 months that's what it'll end up being but um, trying to make the most of it and trying to really you know expand my horizons in other ways like you said we started that podcast and um, kind of been looking around for some engineering type work because that's what my degree was in at school so um, just trying to build control what I can control yeah that that's pretty much all you can do right now is control what you can control and just do whatever you can to just stay occupied and stay motivated throughout this time because it, it is hard because it's we have no idea when hockey's coming back like like there's so many different options for these leagues to start in and then keep getting pushed back so like th- 
throughout these nine months, like what have you been doing to, to at least stay ready whenever your season does come and, and just, and just training in general? Yeah, it's been uh, pretty much anything I can find at first, everything was shut down. Right. So there weren't any rinks open. There weren't any gyms open. Garrett and I were doing workouts up in, uh, up in the loft of my house with just whatever we had, you know, a medicine ball, trying to run around outside, not run around, you know, but sprints and stuff. And, uh, you know, from there it evolved, the gym opened back up, which was nice. We have a training group here in Colorado at the rink I grew up playing in for the Colorado rampage. And we get a good little group together of junior and pro guys. That's always a fun environment. So did that for a couple of months. Um, they opened up a roller hockey rink here. So I've actually been playing a good amount of roller hockey and that's really fun. It's a completely different game. Honestly, it's more like lacrosse because it's more about possession. You kind of get it, set it up in your half, wait for a really good chance to attack. Whereas ice hockey's, you know, a quick North South game. So that's been fun. Just work on a little bit of the skill, a little bit of the vision. Hopefully it translates over. And now I actually found a, a pro group to skate with. So it's been cool having some NHL guys to be on the ice with and use as a measuring stick, right? Because as an athlete, you know, you always want to push yourself to be the best and you can be the best in your driveway, right? But you never really know how you stack up until you actually get on the ice with someone who's made it. Yeah, exactly. And just throughout this time, like it gives you so much time to like work on yourself and like work on getting better. And because even though there's not a lot, like the gyms were closed and everything, the rinks were closed, you can still do a lot of stuff like body weight stuff in your in your in your house in your basement your gym your uh, home gym if you have one so there's definitely opportunities for you to to use that and just get better so like throughout like the summer like did you like have like a specific training plan or did you just do whatever you felt like doing that day yeah so it's actually something we've been talking about a lot I have a trainer his name's John Ang he's been unbelievable like I said he's at that rink that I grew up playing and so he's known me for a long time knows what works with me and um, we definitely have a plan he gets me a workout plan every month but it's crazy just talking to guys seeing what they're doing because growing up it was a lot of you know how much weight can you load up on the bar and squat right like if you squatted the most and you were the strongest that meant you were the best in the gym but it doesn't really translate on the ice as well as people thought And it causes a lot of injuries, a lot of stress on your body. So people are doing, you know, body weight stuff. Like you said, it's a lot of um, prehab, I've heard it called. So you'll do like that band work on, you know, common areas of injuries, your shoulders, your knees. And, uh, you know, it's a good balance now of trying to get stronger, but you don't really need to load up the weight as much. So there's like, I don't know if you've heard like the eccentric, isometric, stuff like that. You kind of, you know, it's about going down low, slow, controlled, getting a full rep in with less weight and then like exploding up. And that's actually going to be more beneficial for you as an athlete and, you know, do less damage on your body. So uh, it's been fun to have that experience kind of switch around. And, um, you know, I was never one of the guys putting up 500 pounds in the gym. I remember uh, when I was a freshman going into Robert Morris, we went in and we had our, our off ice testing and there were some monsters, man. There were, <laughs> there's some big guys putting up a lot of weight and it's, it's really intimidating. Cause you know, before hockey even starts, you already feel like you're counted out just because you know, you're not putting up the same numbers these guys are, but what it seems to be coming down to more and more these days is how well do you play the game? And you know, the old saying, I've never scored a goal from the gym 
you know, definitely need to spend the time in the gym. You definitely need to put in the effort, make yourself, you know, better, faster, stronger. But I think that I've been trying to put more of an emphasis on those skills that apply directly to the ice. So just spending more time, you know, stick handling, shooting pucks, um, while still getting in the gym every day, but, you know, not trying to kill myself, especially during this long, prolonged off season. If you were, you know, lifting as hard as you can for 12 months straight, I think uh, you're going to be injury prone during the year. So. Yeah, exactly. And just like from like the start of quarantine, like I was doing pretty much the same thing. Like I was loading up, I was pretty much loading up in the gym as much as I could just from like March, to like July. And then ever since then, it's just been like body weight stuff, especially like since my season already started. So like, I'm just doing body weight stuff and like your body, my body's never felt better. So just proves that you don't need, you obviously need to go to the gym, but you don't need to put all that weight on, on the bar just because it doesn't really translate on the ice. Like you said, and it body weight has definitely been more beneficial for me, but again, everyone else is different. So like, but it seems like a lot more people are doing body weight compared to lifting heavy. Yeah. That's the thing too. Everyone's different. And that's why I like having uh, coach John so much. He's been with me for so long. I think he, he really understands my body and we kind of have discussions before he'll make me a workout program. I'm like, Hey, what kind of things do you want to work at? And I'm like, you know, I want to work on my, my speed on the ice and he'll make me a program that translates with it. You know, maybe it'll be, uh, a lower body day, an upper body day, a full body day. And then one day at the gym will just be, you know, mobility. And then one day will just be like some, some speed work. So, you know, sprints, cones, all that. Yeah, exactly. And like mobility is definitely like it. I didn't really think of mobility until like this summer and like start of quarantine, like mobility is a huge part of being like a, a good athlete. And it just helps you like helps your range of motion in every way and it just feels good on your body and it's it's very beneficial especially when you put it on to, to the test on the ice aren't you a goalie you think you should be pretty mobile well i i now now i am but yeah. I, I wasn't back then but now i i've definitely imp, i've definitely improved my mobility so that's that's a good sign well, it's good for the the flexibility side of it. Like as a skater, if you can extend your stride length because you're more mobile, you're going to have more power. You're going to be faster along with that injury prevention. So exactly. a lot of benefits that come with it. Yeah, exactly. So like going on to your pro skates, like you've had the opportunity to sign a contract this, this summer. So like what went into the process of signing a deal, especially in a time like this with COVID and everything? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so at Robert Morris, you know, there's obviously scouts at division one games, but they tell them, Hey, let us play out our season. Let us finish this out. We don't really want you, you know, talking to our guys. And once the year ends, whenever we're eliminated, we will help you with everything you need. You know, we'll get you directly in contact with them, all that. So it's kind of a mad scramble as soon as the year ends. But unfortunately we were still in playoffs and we were still playing and, you know, hopefully going for a run to make it to the tournament but we we actually drove out so we played sacred heart which is in connecticut and we drove out tuesday had a practice halfway in wilkesbury scranton on wednesday had our morning skate for the game in connecticut on thursday we were eating our pregame meal for game one of the three-game series and our coach walks in and you know he just had this distressed look on his face and he 
you know, broke the news. Hey guys, like, you know, we're not going to be playing. And we kind of saw it coming because, you know, guys are on the phone, they're on Twitter, they're seeing, you know, basketball getting canceled, March Madness getting canceled. And it was just a matter of time to be honest, but it didn't really hit any of us. And especially as a senior, he kind of, he said, you know, the tournament's canceled where we might find a way to make the games up. And obviously a pandemic like this, I don't think it's ever happened before, especially at such a global level. So nobody knew what to expect in my mind. I was like, all right, we're going to drive home and make up the games next week or make up the games in two weeks. You know, we'll figure this out, find a way around it. <laughs> Here we are 10 months later. But, uh, so it just ended like that. And I remember getting on the bus and, you know, a couple of the guys like started giving me hugs and tell me congratulations on a great career. And I was like, Whoa, what are you talking about? Like, this isn't the end. <laughs> and uh, still got, still got some more games to play. Yeah. Get to put on the Jersey one last time. Uh, I guess in, looking back on it now, not many people consider the last game was a win. So I guess I'll uh, look for the silver lining there, but so it all ends all pro leagues, everything. And, in all the pandemonium, nobody was really looking to sign players. You know, you're worried about other things. You're worried about how is my team going to play, right? So uh, those pro teams weren't really reaching out to anyone. And as the months went on and on and the quarantine went on and on, it was the same old story. So talking to my, talking to my advisor, talking to my agent, and he was saying the same thing. He's like, hey, you know, nobody's getting signed right now. You just have to wait. And it's – Obviously, you have to be disciplined to to make it in your craft, whatever it is, but not knowing for so long is so hard because I was like, am I even going to get signed? What am I training for? And mentally, I think I let that wear on me. And, you know, I just had to kind of kick it to the side because it, it's hard when you see other people like you're going back to college. You have something to train for. Yeah. I I can't go back. And I don't know if I'm going to have a spot next year, you know, should I be moving on? Should we try and find something else? And um, luckily an old coach of mine actually grew up with one of the Cincinnati coaches and um, they had talked about me previously and had the opportunity to watch me play. And he called me and it was pretty much a no brainer because a lot of those minor league cities are, you know, not in the best towns and really small towns. And, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio has, an NFL team, an MLB team. It's a really big city, really nice place. And um, really looking forward to get out there. I'm hoping it does start in February so I can get back to work, get back to uh, what we've been doing for so long, right? But yeah. it was uh, a crazy process and it wasn't just me. So it was nice to talk to my other seniors from my class at Robert Morris and um, my friend Cam Strong here. He just graduated from Dartmouth and we grew up playing together, playing against each other in junior, played against each other in college. So we are going through the same thing at the same time. And it's definitely important to lean on that support group when you are unsure. Right. Yeah. That, that support group's really, really important, especially as an athlete, especially as a hockey player, like you go through everything from like ups and downs, like could be positive, could be negative, And like, you need someone to lean on and just have your back and support you throughout everything. Cause it does get hard on your, on your mind and your, uh, and mentally it gets hard. So it's good to have that, that backstop for you. Yeah. It just, you know, everyone has their down moments. And I think the way that I've kind of been looking at it is I have a, a good support group of family, friends, and, 
you know, one of them is going to be in the right mindset when I'm not right. So if you reach out to someone, they're going to, they're going to show you the bright side, right? And that's all it takes. And even if you don't want to hear it, you know what they're going to say, you know, it's just the cliches, but you got to take it one day at a time. And I already said it, but (laughs) control what you can control. Like nobody can change what's gone on. Nobody can end this quarantine sooner. And, um, you know, we just kind of wait on the news and wait for the people who make those decisions to make them and just got to roll with the punches. Yeah, exactly. And just like when, just talk about like when you're not in a bad, you know, in a good spot and then your, your friend, family, whoever is in a good spot, like they definitely do cheer you up. And it's like the same thing for me. Like I'd run cross country and track as well in college. And like last year was a total mess. Like it, like my, it mentally like, like everything was going wrong. It was going down downhill for me. And like all my teammates were there to lean on. So that was good. And then like I was getting lit up in hockey last year in like in a not so good division. And but they were there to lean on me as well. So like it's always good to get those people to to like come for you and make sure you're playing at your best when you should be. Yeah, and it's it's hard not to compare yourself to others. Like you just kinda mentioned it, you know you considered not playing in a, in a great division, but how many kids would love the opportunity to play where you were at. And that's something that I kind of look at when I was feeling down, uh, during my time in junior, I'd been in the North American league for about two seasons and I was the captain and I wasn't really getting interest. And the only schools that were talking to me didn't have engineering. And I knew I wanted that to be my major. And, you know, it was getting hard on me. And I was, you know, I was down on myself. I was like, I'm not in the USHL. I'm not in major junior. I'm not committed. But then, you know, I just, it took that mindset and that perspective of how many people would kill for this opportunity. You know, I, I need yeah. to pick myself up, do what I've been doing to get me to this position. And that was, you know, loving going to the rink every day. Cause that's, that's a place where you can just forget everything. And the rink became a place where I, you know, was stressed and I was worried like, Oh, who's watching, who's coming to the games tonight. Are they going to come down and talk to us after? And you can't think that way. Cause it'll kill you. Cause I played, you know, 120 games and talked to teams after like three, four times. So if every game you're looking to talk to a scout after <laughs> it's, it's not going to go well for you mentally and you're going to self-destruct on your own. Yeah, exactly. And just, you can't you gotta like separate like life from like your get your actual game and that's how like i've found in like the stories i've heard is that you're most successful when you just focus on the game and focus on what you're doing at that time just take life and totally out and just play the sport you love and and like that's the most successful stories that i've heard is just take life just don't think about life or anything that's going on besides your sport and like the game you're playing in right now and it definitely does help for sure yeah and another piece of that support group is it has to be people who are gonna who are gonna build you up I've heard the saying before like you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with and it's true if you hang out with someone for long enough you're gonna pick up on their habits you're gonna pick up on you know their work ethic you're gonna learn from them and so I've really been trying to you know surround myself with people who have gotten to the next level and people who are, you know, really hard workers. Like they don't, not even in sports necessarily. So I reached out to one of my friend's dads because he's been really successful in the field of engineering. 
you know, I'm just trying to pick his brain now. Since I can't control when hockey's going to start, I asked him, you know, do you think I should try and get my master's? Do you think I should try and find an internship? Obviously, those are usually during the summer, but, um, you know, I have the time right now. And, you know, they say work experience is so good. Should I try and get, you know, a dual major? So just trying to lean on people and, like, people are willing to teach you. People love helping you learn, especially if you show that you are eager to learn and you respect them and you want to follow in their footsteps. It's, it's fun to give people advice. Like at the, uh, the rink I train at right now, it's where all the current AAA kids are. And, you know, when they come in, if any of them have any questions about juniors or what to do, you know, to stand out more on the ice, it's, it's fun to talk about because everyone's been in those same shoes. And I think that's something we don't really think of or appreciate. Like for us, we look at NHL players, we're like, Oh my God, these guys, they're, they're unbelievable. They, they know everything that's going on. They make great plays all the time, but they, they did the same route. You know, they played youth hockey, they played junior hockey, they played college hockey, well, major junior, you know, whatever their route was. And you know, they're at the end of the day, they're just people just like you and me. So. Yeah, exactly. And just learning about, you could learn something new every, every single day, no matter who you are, you be in the NHL and you still learn stuff every day. And it's just to take into account, like, I'm skating with these guys over the summer and like a guy in the coast right now is just gave me some tips about how to play stuff better. I know we we're talking about that earlier and just like the learning aspect of the games, just and like how willing people are to actually teach you and like give you advice. Like you can't, you're coming on to the my podcast and telling our viewers about like what you've learned and, and your experiences and trying to get them to be better. So it's, goes it goes both ways and it's just awesome to see well you can learn from everyone and even if you don't agree with what they have to say i like to take in all the information i want to see all the viewpoints and then make my own decision on what the best you know route's going to be let's say it's hockey i asked one guy how to play a two-on-one and i don't really agree with him but i try and figure out why they think that would be a good way to play a two-on-one right and then maybe it does change the way that i'll play it not exactly the same that he would do, but it'll change the way I will do it a little bit, right? Like it's just good to get in other people's minds. And I love talking to forwards. Um, I love asking them, you know, what some of their reads are so that I can almost, you know, predict what they're going to do. Yeah, exactly. And just like, like I, I'm a goalie, obviously. So I talk to goalies a lot, but like when I skate out, like I'll pick people's brains about, cause I want to get better at every position that I play. And it's just, if you have that drive, you want to get better, like someone's going to learn, someone's going to want to teach you. And that just makes you coachable as well as learn what you want to learn new things and learn different systems, different, well, different, whatever. And it's just going to, it's very valuable information. It's just to learn whenever you can. And just, there's a saying that's like, you learn every, every game, you learn something new. It could be negative, it could be positive, like you're learning something. Yeah. And even outside of sports, you know, the world we live in now, it's always changing, right? So technology is always being updated and it's how can I use this other technology to help me with something different that I'm doing, right? And the ability to learn is more important than learning, you know, those, ta- those physical tasks that a company might want you to do because those things are going to change over your, you know, 30, 40 years that you're working. Right. So you always have to be willing to learn. And I think it's, it's pretty arrogant to think that 
you know, you know enough to live your life how you want to, right? Like it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's fun to learn new stuff. I've been listening to different types of podcasts and I was listening to the Jocko Willink podcast the last couple of days and just crazy to hear the military side of things. And he's been, you know, he was reading people's books with them. So not only were you getting some of the highlights of the already very well-written book, but you had the actual author and another very knowledgeable military person elaborating on it even more. And, you know, those are just really eye-opening things. So I know that, you know, podcasts are growing so quickly right now. There's podcasts about all sorts of stuff. So you can, you can be learning at all times. And, you know, even on the drive, you can listen to the same 10 songs for the hundredth time, or, you know, you can try and learn something new. So that's why I've really enjoyed doing the podcast. I know we talked about it. You, uh, it's really fun to learn from people and, you know, build those connections because yeah, just good to learn. Yeah, exactly. It's like going into like your junior hockey route, like you were like during your second year, you were a captain for the Lone Star Brahmos in the, in the Nall. It's like, how big was that leadership role for you? And like, just teaching like the younger guys, like the ropes, especially like you're, you're the captain, you're the, you're the bit, you're the, you're the one with the C on the, on the Jersey. Yeah, it's, uh, I've always considered myself a lead by example kind of player. So I, I want to be the last guy on the ice. I want to be working on that craft, right? So every day, if you put in an extra five minutes at the end of practice, at the end of a season, you've put in hours upon hours upon hours of work and it's on things that you want to work on. I think that self-reflection is so important and being humble enough to know, okay, this is something that could be improved in my game. And like we talked about, then you go, you talk to the coach, Hey, what are some drills or some things that I can do to do this better? Or you talk to your teammates who are really good at it. So I'm more of a defensive defenseman. So I'll talk to my offensive defenseman and be like, Hey, when you're in the ozone, what are your reads on this? Right. Try to make myself a more well-rounded player. So just a lead by example guy, I would, I'd be, you know, the last guy on the ice all the time and just always try and carry myself the right way. You know, whether you're off or on the ice, just, you know, it doesn't matter who you're talking to, whether it's the janitor at the rink or, you know, the head coach, you treat everyone the same way you treat them with respect. And um, I think that my teammates and, my coach obviously saw all that and luckily uh, I was fortunate enough to be named captain, which is, you know, a huge honor because, you know, your teammates have a lot of input into that. And when you're around other guys who are so good and, you know, they kind of choose you to be their leader, it's, it's not something that you take lightly. And I, you know, I really enjoyed it every step of the way. And it's some of the other things we talked about too, like people who want to learn from you, you know, I was in your steps and, in your first year of junior hockey, it's, it's a tough road because you go from being the big fish in your pond, right? The big fish in the small pond of wherever you're from to now you're playing with kids from all around the country and all around the world. My junior teams, my two years in Lone Star, I think we had, you know, five kids from Sweden, kid from Russia, kid from the Czech Republic. And it's, it's crazy to see how big the world is and how many great hockey players there are. So, you know, when you go from being that big fish to that small pond and now you have to go to a junior team and if you're fortunate enough to make it, you're going to spend some nights in the stands. You know, there's older, more experienced guys who 
are going to get those minutes and that playing time. And, you know, you're thinking, what am I doing? All my buddies are in college and I'm here in Texas, you know, sitting in the stands watching my team play. I, I'm, I'm not going to get recruited from here. But it's that hindsight of it's part of your path. It's part of your process. And I think that as a player who had to go through that, because there are players who are fortunate enough to, you know, never be scratched and they get yeah. there and play all the time. But I had that experience and, you know, I, I know what's going through players' minds when that happens. And the guys in the stands are just as important as anyone on the ice because not only is there like a vibe around the team, if someone's dragging that down, it's going to drag everyone down. Right. If you're miserable cause you're getting scratched, you know, your roommate's not going to be having a good time at home with you driving the rink with you. So then he's going to be, you know, down when he's at the rink too. And so everyone's so important and you know, you never know when that injury is going to happen. The guy in the stands might be the guy who comes in during playoffs and scores that big goal. So it was just trying to keep everyone, you know, mentally checked in for me because, you know, everyone's a great hockey player if they're there. I don't need to teach anyone how to play hockey. I don't need to keep anyone motivated or driven. You know, (laughs) the scholarships will do that on their own. It was more just keeping guys um, focused and let them realize, you know, it's not just about today. It's not just about this game that you're missing because it's a long road and you're going to be here for two, three years. And then hopefully you're going to play college for four years and then, you know, play pro for as long as you can, as long as you want beyond that. So it's just that, you know, be better today than you were yesterday. And if you are scratched, Hey, let's, let's make the most of it because now you have an off night where you can go get a workout in. You can watch the game from an outside perspective and really like take notice of things like realize why these players are in the lineup and you're not, man, this guy, this guy four checks so much harder than me. I got to up my compete level in the games. Right. So that self-reflection accountability and just a lot of big lessons that I learned in my first year, I tried to pass those on and hopefully the guys think I did a good job. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's, that's a great point, especially like reevaluating yourself. It's so like, what would you do to like reevaluate yourself? Like you, like you said, being scratched, like, like you just hit the, hit the nail and hit the nail on the head just with like, why, why is this guy being, why is this guy in not me? Like what, what else would you do to reevaluate yourself and reevaluate your game and what you could bring to the table? Yeah, I think that, you know, first and foremost, you can't take it personally. Like these coaches have a job to do. And people are like, oh, this coach hates me. You know, he plays this other guy over me every time. And it's like, you know, why is he doing that? There's a reason. If you were a better player, his job's on the line, right? You'd be in the lineup. And so I think for myself, you know, I don't really think I started evaluating that until later on. Like, you know, hindsight's always 2020. But I wish as a kid before I even made it to junior, you know, I was always – on the top line, you know, I play power play, penalty kill, top line, shut down, whatever it may be. And I think that I wasn't necessarily complacent, but I think that I didn't understand how big the world was. And I didn't realize, you know, okay, I'm a, I'm a high end player here in Colorado, but that doesn't mean much on a worldwide scale. So I just think that for me personally, I wish I would have kind of opened my eyes at a younger age to see, holy cow, you know, 
there's a lot of work that needs to be done here if I want to, you know, really achieve these dreams. And part of that's the learning curve too, because, you know, my parents didn't play and, um, you know, no one with me really had parents that like did it. I know now a lot of teams have coaches that have like, you know, when you're 12 years old, your coach is a former NHL player. It's like, wow, <laughs> this guy, he's going to have a ton of great advice, a ton of great insight, great person to learn from. And you don't even have to seek him out. So, um, you know, it's, it's not really something that I could have totally controlled, but you know, like they say, hindsight's twenty twenty, And I, I wish I had a little bit more knowledge of just how, how big the world is and how hard you have to work to make it in, in anything. It's not just sports, you know, the real world. If you want to, if you want to be the best at anything, it's, it's going to take a lot of, a lot of hours, a lot of sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. So like going into your college career a bit, you, after your two years of juniors, you decided to go to Robert Morris University. So like what went into that decision to pick Robert Morris as your school and then fulfill not even, not just athletics part, but like your engineering degree as well. Yeah. So once I got to junior, I, in my first year, I only got one phone call from a college. Uh, we had a really old team and the next year we actually only returned three players because we had so many 20 year olds and all of them went to school. So, um, my first year I got one call from a D three school and he, he asked me point blank, you know, Hey, um, this is so-and-so from this school and we want to, we're interested in having you come along. Do you know what you'd like to study? I was like, I, study. I, I want to play college hockey. So I, it really hadn't even crossed my mind. And so I, I spent the next few weeks, um, you know, researching degrees and my dad is a aerospace engineer. So he actually worked at NASA. Um, he's so, a rocket scientist, uh, drop that for him. But, uh, and then his dad was a, a really smart guy. He was a doctor. So I'd always kind of debated, you know, whether to go the medical route or the engineering route and a couple more, the next season I was playing well and a couple schools called me, but they didn't have engineering. Um, I think most schools have like some sort of pre-med program, but I kind of determined, you know, I played two years of junior hockey before going to college. I want to play professional hockey for, you know, a while, hopefully. And, you know, going to eight years, uh, med school after that i'm gonna be 40 years old before i start making any money right so um i figured the engineering degree was a good middle ground and um it was tough though because i think i had two or three schools that were interested in me but i i had to tell them no because they didn't have engineering and um it got to a point where i almost compromised that and a school called me once i think you know around november they came talked to me in person called me a few times um, they, they actually, he's like, yeah, we don't have engineering, but like, let me see what I can do. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he calls me a couple of days later. He's like, I talked to the head of our finance department and he studied engineering in school. He says like, they're pretty much the same. I was like, what do you mean, man? No, they're not. They're not the same. Uh, not even close. Yeah. Right. But it was so hard to turn that down because the school did have a lot of upside and it, it would have been an incredible opportunity, but that was another mental thing. I was like, am I shooting myself in the foot here? 
because as a hockey player or as any athlete, you spend so long trying to get that scholarship. You spend so long working to make a junior team. And, you know, finally the choice is kind of in your hands. So there's so much pressure not to blow it because it's, it's been about coaches picking you and now you get to pick them. And it's like, what am I doing here? Like I've worked so hard for this. Like I'm turning people down. So um, they actually called me again in like February. He's like, Hey, we found a little bit more scholarship money. Like, have you changed your mind? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, I think if it would have been my age out year, it would have been different, but I still had a year of eligibility left. And I uh, had talked to a few USHL teams and the USHL has like a 98% division one commitment rate. So I felt pretty good about my chances of uh, getting a school with engineering, waited it out. I actually went and skated with a USHL team. I went and skated with Youngstown for a week um, when my all team didn't have anything going on. And it was late. I think it was April. So we were already in playoffs for my junior team. And uh, just another quick, funny story, a different coach called me and I was so excited. Uh, he's like, Hey, this is, you know, another division one school. Um, what are your plans for next season? It's like, Oh, well, I've talked to a couple of USHL teams and um, I might get drafted there. So it's going to finish this playoffs out and hopefully play in the USHL next season. And he was like, what, how old are you? It's like uh, 96. He goes, oh, I thought you were an age out. All right, well, we'll recruit you next year, and uh, I'll call you then. I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> so close, but so far, right? So yeah. um, then I think a week or two into playoffs, I got my first call from Robert Morris. And um, to be honest, I had never heard of it. Um, they said Robert Morris, and I was – uh, from a, being a West Coast guy, I, I know a lot of the D1s, you know, the the Denver's, CC, North Dakota. I grew up watching that conference. So I didn't really know a lot of the Eastern schools. And uh, I, I thought it was a D3 call. But he said, uh, you know, Division One. I, I was really excited. And I, I looked up the school. They had engineering and they actually had biomedical engineering, which I thought was a pretty, uh, a pretty cool crossroads between the medical route and the engineering route. So I just finished that degree and, um, you know, not really sure what I want to do exactly in that field, but hopefully hockey can start again soon and I don't have to worry about that for a while. Yeah, exactly. So that, that was an awesome story about like you, how you decided to pick Robert Morris. So going into your first year, like, did you have any expectations at all? Or were you just there to hopefully find some success playing hockey and in the classroom as well? I've always been a good student. Um, I think that that's something that I can't express enough to the young listeners out there is you have to take care of your grades because it opens so many doors. There's only 60, well, 61 now division one hockey teams. So there's only 61 schools that can give you an opportunity. And a lot of those are Ivy leagues. You know, you've got your Harvard, your Yale, your Dartmouth, and even if they're not Ivies, there's, there's schools like RIT that are really prestigious and really hard to get into. So if you don't have good grades and you can't even get into the school, you've just closed those doors on your own. And even the other schools that aren't as academically prestigious, if you have really good grades, they can give you athletics or academic scholarship and not have to use as much of their athletic scholarship. 
and coaches love that because there's restrictions on how much athletic scholarship you can give out to maintain the parity within the, the league. And so I was one of those players where um, my scholarship was combined with academic and athletic. And so that just, it really helps out the teams and they love to see guys with good grades because they know, like I said earlier, you have to take care of your stuff on and off the ice. So can't stress the grades enough. Um, obviously I was a little nervous cause you played junior hockey for two years. You're out of school for two years. Uh, the first few weeks back in the classroom are a bit of a culture shock. Um, but like I said, just use that support system. I think all the freshmen hung out, did homework together all the time. So, um, the academic side of it wasn't, wasn't too much. wasn't too overwhelming, luckily for me. And then athletically, actually during my recruitment call, I, I had another year of junior eligibility and I knew that I could, you know, probably play in the top league. And I, I told the coach flat out, um, you know, he asked me, do you want to play another year junior? Do you want to come in this year? And I said, well, I don't want to sit in the stands. So if there's an opportunity to play, I would, <laughs> I'd come in, but if, if there's not, then I'm going to play another year junior. And, um, luckily Robert Morris only carried eight defensemen at the time. A lot of the schools I talked to carry 10. So right there is a huge opportunity being, you know, top six out of eight is a lot easier than top six out of 10. And so it was a struggle though. Like, you know, you get there and it's, it's starting new all over again because now you're competing against older, stronger, more mature players who also have been on that team for years. So they understand the systems. They know the school. They're not overwhelmed by, you know, the college experience or anything like that. So they're, you know, the, up until Christmas, just the same as junior hockey. I was sitting in the stands watching the games, um, you know, trying my best when I got in the lineup. And I actually got a really good piece of advice from our skills coach. Um, I just played a game against Dartmouth and they put both freshman defensemen in the lineup and uh, I was scratched the next game and he came up to me and was like, Hey, how you doing? Um, you know, he could tell that I was, you know, distraught and he was like, it wasn't that you played bad. It's just that you played so nervous to not make a mistake that you didn't make anything happen. And so it's, it's that confidence piece of you're there for a reason. You're a good player. You have to play your game. And, and it's kind of keeps coming back to things we've talked about before about, you know, not, not worrying and just, you know, you get on, you get on the ice and it's stress-free. You have to be the player you are and, you know, have fun. So, you know, just lessons learned again. And I think I was a little intimidated, like I said, by all those, those huge guys in the gym that were squatting 500 pounds, but um, it was a good learning experience. My freshman year was actually the best team we had. In my opinion, we, we uh, made it to the conference championship against air force and whoever won that game went to the tournament and we actually gave up a school record in shots against only gave up 13 shots and we lost two to one and uh, air force went on and upset the number one seed in the country at the tournament the next week. And uh, it was, uh, I don't know if I was rooting for them or not. Cause you want to root for your conference. You want to, you know, I want the Atlantic hockey conference to have success, but not the guys who beat us by one goal. Right. So yeah. um, then the next year they actually beat us again in the finals. So got a little bit of a beef with air force. 
Yeah, <laughs> that, that's awesome. The ri- the rivalries are always good for the making and makes makes good memories. That's for sure. So like going going into like the mindset you had and like like the, before you had like all the confidence and you're playing nervous. Like, what would be like your mindset going in and like like when you were nervous compared to like when you finally started to realize that you had to relax and just play your game and like think positively and have that confidence in yourself that you deserve to be at that level and you deserve to be getting that opportunity. Yeah. Something for me as a defensive defenseman, obviously, you know, the points aren't there. I don't, I don't get the power play time and people judge athletes by points. Um, So, you know, you look at the stat sheet before every game and pretty much the only thing under every player is their points or for you as a goalie, it's your, you know, your save percentage, your goals against your, your major stats. And so um, that's something that weighed on me. You know, you're going into, I didn't score a goal until my junior season and you know, they mean well, but guys are like, Oh, I never thought it would happen. And you know, they're just joking around being the boys, but that, that weighs on you. And it's uh, it's something that was in my head a lot uh, over the last few years. And um, I think my mindset early on was, you know, I was just overanalyzing everything. I was like, you know, you get to the rink two hours beforehand and there's only so much time that you're actually warming up with the team. There's a lot of time that you kind of prepare on your own. And I was just overthinking everything. I was, you know, so worried about the way I was taping my sticks. So worried about, you know, where I was going to go listen to my music beforehand. And, uh, it just, it was just a comfort thing. Like, once I realized, once I started making some plays and realized, you know, I can play at this level, I'm here for a reason. And my captain, my freshman year was amazing. Rob, man, he's the best captain I've ever played for. And, um, similar situation as me when he was a freshman, he, he sat in the stands, he knew what it was like. And he, he really helped me along and he's still someone I talk to today. And it was just feeling welcomed by the guys. And, um, actually my first game I played, I, I got a D to D pass behind the net and I kind of looked up ice, didn't see anything, looked back to the D to D, didn't see anything, looked back up ice and then eventually like made, you know, a nice, a nice little soft play. And like I'd held onto the puck for a long time and I got crushed. Right. So I get back to the bench and I'm like rattled. And uh, one of the seniors leaned over me. He's like, Oh man, that was great poise. I love that. And just so little things like that, like the boys, the boys were so helpful. And at that time, they're obviously your support group. And it was just being comfortable with the guys and learning that I could play at that level. I stopped worrying about the details. I started just having fun, you know, playing the playing sewer before the game. and Just, you know, it, it is a game at the end of the day, right? We, we yeah, take it exactly. so seriously because we love it so much. And we want to be the best, but it, it's just a game. And that's something that we have to all remember. Yeah, for sure. So, like, what was that first college goal feeling like, especially since it took you uh, three years? Like, you must have had so much emotion. You must have been, like, dreaming of that, scoring that goal, and then you finally get an opportunity to score a goal. Yeah, I actually uh, – I got chirped for it a little bit. We were down 4 nothing, and uh, one of my players that I played with in junior, uh, he, uh, he turned a puck over right in the slot. I stepped into it, picked my spot, scored the goal. And like you said, first goal in three years, I was, I was fired up, right? Like turn around, 
big pumper and uh, the captain the year before who I was roommates with. So we were really close. He texted me. He wasn't on the team anymore. He goes, man, I can't believe you sell it like that down four to one. I was like, dude, you got to give me a break. First one in three years. I needed that. Uh, but yeah, it, it just validates all the work you put in because like I said, stats are so valued and they're at such a premium. And I know that there's other things I add to the team, but you know, when your friends back home are looking up your stats or your friends back home who don't even play hockey are like, Oh, like how many goals did you score? It's like, well, I'm a defensive defenseman. So zero my first two years I was it was really tough but um like I said it's it's that self-evaluation something I've been trying to work on a lot and hopefully I can increase production as we move on here yeah for sure that that that's awesome how you scored your first goal and like giving this big <laughs> the big celly did you get chirped by the other team being like hey buddy it's 4-1 scoreboard yeah uh luckily I turned away from them and I think that they were uh pretty frustrated with the turnover so um they didn't say anything i turned away went straight back to the bench uh, i didn't really hear anything i did get a text from the guy who turned it over though it's like i said we played in junior i think he said uh hey you're welcome for your first career goal <laughs> and you you have the you have the goal there it doesn't doesn't matter what happens a goal's a goal yeah they don't ask how they ask how many right exactly exactly so like Going like throughout like all the games and like places you've traveled throughout your throughout your college career, like where has been some of your favorite spots that you you got you guys have been able to travel to? I'd actually go back to junior hockey first. We got to play in uh, Wenatchee, Washington. So my first year in the North American League, the Wenatchee Wild were in the Nall. They've since uh, switched leagues. They play up in a Canadian league now, but um, that place I think it's you know two hours west of seattle so it's really close to the ocean you can't actually see the ocean from there but it's gorgeous it's the clearest water i've ever seen you know we went uh we went up there in a playoff series it was a best of five and we had won the first two games so we went up there and we had to stay the length of the five game series but we actually swept them so we had a couple days to just you know hang out be a team uh we went mountain climbing one day and went to this pond and you could see like crystal clear 10 feet down in the middle of the pond. And it was just really gorgeous place. And their rink was really cool too. They, for a junior rink, it had like a pro style. It had a full lower bowl. Everyone's wearing jerseys had a, you know, the electric ring that goes around the top and um, jumbotron box seats. So that was a really cool experience. And then in college, a lot of places have really nice barns, but I think uh, it kind of comes down to the student section. That's really the big draw of college hockey is the atmosphere there. And there's certain schools that have bands and fans that are crazy. And uh, being in Pennsylvania, we got to play Penn State pretty much every year. Their barn was pretty crazy. Um, Saquon Barkley came out in between periods one time, and that place erupted we were in the locker room and it, it was 10 times as loud as when they scored a goal. That guy was a God there. Um, but their students would show up, you know, just as early as we would, they'd be there two hours before the game. And then during warmups, 
uh, you're on their side. So they have all their custom signs on the glass, you know, chirping you and um, (laughs) RMU had like a, like a money issue. Um, I don't remember what uh, we had to cut like a department or something and we played them and they had RMU recently moneyless university. Like people put in time to like chirp you and uh, RIT is another one that has a really great student section. They, they haunted us. I remember my first weekend ever um, of college hockey, I got scratched the first game and I think we lost like six to two and the student section every single time they score. Um, so let's say they scored three goals. They hit a bell. So it goes ding. And then they all yell one, ding, two, ding, three. We want four. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. Like, and like, like the, pre- all like the, the way, Preds. The Preds. Yeah. Are yeah, exactly. All the way up to six. It was like, oh my. And then, uh, so we got throttled that first night. So the second night I got to play. Um, and same thing we went down like five one in the second period and i was just sitting on the bench like these guys are giving it to us and uh just a bad feeling when you're not playing well and you have all those people just loving that you're not playing well um that was actually a crazy game because the first night our starting goalie got hurt the second night, our backup gave up five. So they put in our freshman, who was actually my roommate and uh, my best friend while I was there. And he played really well. And uh, we came back and won six to five. And one of our forwards had three goals and three assists. And it was just a crazy first game to be a part of. So I'll always remember that barn in that game. And then um, Bowling Green actually had a really good student section as well. I can't remember what they called them. But yeah. Um, good places to play in and it's cool when you go in barns like that I think Rob Blake played at Bowling Green and he was an idol for me I wore number four growing up in Colorado obviously a big Avs fan so um, seeing a big plaque with him you know he's an alumni and it goes back to that you know everyone that you look up to has gone through the same route as you so it was crazy to you know play in the same barn that one of my idols growing up played in yeah that those are some awesome stories it's crazy how how much the students take time out of their day to create some chirps yeah. and yeah. posters and just just mess around with you and just chirp chirp you guys and love how you're not playing it well. It's just it's unreal. Love going back love to that college RIT real quick. Yeah, go for it. Um, we had brothers, so we had one of the brothers, and they had the other brother on their team, and the signs for that one were hilarious. Like, it it went from little things that were as easy as like you know. Abbott greater than Aiden, which is like their player better than ours. And then it was like um list of who the Gerduckis parents love the most. And it was like their player was first, and then like their sister, their dog, like li- everything they could list. And then like, you know, eleven was our player. And so just just funny little things like that. And I've I've heard some crazy stories about, you know, um, if you're in the penalty box, I think at North Dakota, like they've researched like your family's names, your girlfriend's name, and they'll, they'll be in your ear. They'll be ruthless. It's crazy. how That's, that's what makes college, the college hockey atmosphere so much fun. It's just the student section as long as well with the game, but like it's the students got the student sections on unbelievable. Oh yeah. And the band is really cool too. We had a great band at Robert Morris. They would travel with us and um, they would get on a bus and 
you know, if our women's team was in Wisconsin and we were in, you know, Buffalo, half of them would go to Wisconsin, half of them would go to Buffalo. So those guys were really dedicated to, and they made it a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like, what was the craziest game that you've ever played in college hockey? Like, it could be like a full on like gong show, like whatever. Um, so that first one I ever played against RIT was pretty crazy, but I think we played against Penn State. I want to say it was my junior year. And Penn State, when they first became a D1 team, they really struggled. So they played us, and I think we won like the first four games. But since then, they've been a powerhouse, right? Like they've been really good lately. So, um, you know, they won the next few games after that. And our school advertised it like, you know, the Battle of Pennsylvania. And we actually set up a student section for the first time at our rink just for that game. And everyone from Pennsylvania knows Penn State, right? And they're going to our school and they're like, oh, wow, we can, we can be better than like the big dog at hockey because hockey is really the one sport where you have a chance, right? Like yeah. if our football team played theirs, it's just the parody is not nearly as close. I think that's the great thing about college hockey is anyone can beat anyone. So packed barn, Penn State student sections there with their signs, our student sections there, you know, our bands there. And we have a pretty, pretty small rink for college hockey. I think it seats, you know, 2,500. And so it was loud. It was fun. Uh, I think going into the third period, it was tied four to four. And then I don't know what happened, man, but the floodgates opened and we lost 11 to six. (laughs) And it was like, everyone was so fired up. The first 40 minutes were so fun. Like, their students are like chanting our students are chanting and then the third period it was like five four six four seven four eight four and then people are like starting to walk out you're like ah shoot we blew it but um yeah 11 to 6 in a college hockey game is not something i thought i'd see (laughs) yeah that's that's crazy how how much the momentum can change from four and four make and go 11 six like that that's insane. But like the stories are like the best parts of that and just how, how much fun it was to play before you guys gave up 11 and just being in that, in that building with the atmosphere just must've been like crazy. Yeah. And the best positive game I remember is uh, my freshman year, the Pittsburgh Penguins played the Philadelphia Flyers at the Steelers Heinz field. Yeah. And so we got to play the next night against Niagara. And so Um, We went and used the guest NFL locker room where the Flyers had been the night before and got to play on the outdoor sheet that the NHL guys had played on the night before. And honestly, it was an outdoor rink, but it was like top five sheets of ice I've ever skated on in my life. It was so well maintained, so much fun. Uh, A ton of the school was there, but you know, it's, it's an NFL stadium. It seats 80,000 people. So, Um, but our, our benches were like heated and all the amenities were there. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun. That that's awesome. Just just being able to skate on the outdoor rink just the day after the Flyers and Penguins played must have been must have been huge for you guys and just experiencing like the top five best sheets that you ever you've ever skated on must have been unreal. Yeah, it was cool because the Flyers like they left a bunch of stuff there because I think they knew we were there. So a bunch of like you know muscle mugs, Gatorades, and then you could see some of the jokes that they played on each other. Um, there was a whiteboard, 
And someone had written down like media and they wrote the names of the guys that needed to go out for media and in a different color. So, you know, it's like one of the players or trainers had like crossed out three of the names and like written down a couple of different names. Like it's just cool to see even at that level, like they're just the boys just like us. They're just loving what they're doing and having a great time. Yeah. They're just having fun. Just that's all that that's all there is to it is just have fun and work, work hard and just have fun. So that's the main part. Yeah. I think you have to really like love to work hard. You have to enjoy that grind, enjoy that process. Cause especially right now with COVID, like I said, like so many seasons are canceled. So uh, it's, it's really uncertain right now. You have to really enjoy and embrace the grind. Yeah, exactly. And the, the grind and the process is, there's nothing like it. Like it's your process, your, your, your grind time. And it's, it's a story for that you're creating every single day. You, you uh, get on the ice, work out, like anything you do to help yourself get better. Yeah, it's fun to look back on it too. Like, right, I haven't really looked back on a lot of these stories in a long time. So it's, uh, it's been fun that you've been bringing these up. Yeah, we're, we're getting some quality content here. <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, that's good. It's like, what are some tips that you'd give like younger hockey players looking to jump to that next level? The first thing, the, the biggest struggle for me was comparing myself to others. Um, there was another player in the state. Uh, his name is Brandon Carlo. I don't know. He plays for the Bruins. He's been there for, you know, four years. He's yeah. a really good friend of mine. We grew up playing together and he's awesome. He's a great dude. I can't be happier for him and all the success he's earned. Um, but it was tough because, you know, we're the same age and, you know, he's getting – drafted to the whl to the ushl getting scholarship opportunities which he didn't even end up using and uh it's really hard because you know not just him but lots of players in the state are getting opportunities and you know you think i'm working so hard i'm doing everything i can and like you said everyone's path everyone's process is different so i think the number one thing is you just have to be better than yourself every day that's who you're competing against because I can't change the fact that someone else has an unbelievable shot. I can't change the fact that, you know, someone else in the state is, is, you know, the fastest skater. Obviously you want to work on those things and be better at them, but you're not competing against them. You're competing against yourself. So, you know, if you're better today than you were yesterday and you build that up along your career, let's say, you know, like I said, if I could go back younger, if I started living by that mindset when I was 12 years old, I'm 24 now, I'd have 12 years of, you know, work that's stacked and accumulated. And, you know, I definitely did put that work in, but I think that a lot of kids today, especially in the age of like social media, where you get that instant satisfaction, right? Like you post a picture and within a few hours, you know, you might have a couple hundred likes. Yeah. And it's that instant gratification that it doesn't exist in the real world. And there's so much effort to put in so much time to put in and all you have is today. So you have to make the most of the opportunity you have. And secondly, I'd say be creative. There's a lot of, a lot of tools and um, you know, little machines that people are coming out with. They're like, Oh, you want to, you know, I think of like the perfect push-up. like, Oh, you want ripped pecs. You got to buy these perfect push-ups. It's like, no, like be creative, make the most of what you do have 
try and find a, a place, you know, to do those simple things because the best players in the world are the best at the fundamentals. They're the best at, you know, shooting, stick handling. And those are things that you can do absolutely anywhere. You can stick handle a golf ball in your basement or in the garage and work on those little things. Just be creative and make the most of what you do have. Because like I said, um, you have to be fortunate and think about the position that you have that a lot of other people are really jealous and would kill for. Yeah. Those are, those are some great, that's some great advice. Great, great tips. Couldn't have said it better. Like everything you said, it was totally hundred percent. Like I couldn't like, it was just awesome. What you just said. It's like, I have, a, I have a few more questions for you before uh, we end this thing. So like, I want to move on to like your podcast a little bit, just uh, shine some light on that. You know, we did the same thing with uh, when Garrett came on, but yeah. just to do it again, like how much fun is creating podcasts and like creating adversity university? And, like what was the main like objective or the main thing that you guys have gotten out of, out of creating these podcasts? Yeah, we talked about it before, but it, there's, they're a lot of fun. I did not anticipate how much fun it would be to, you know, get these strangers on and just hear about their stories and learn about them. And it's really opened my eyes to how, I guess, you know, charitable is not the right word, but how generous people are, you know, with their time. And like I said, they want to help people. And the the goal behind Adversity University is, you know, we've gone through this process Garrett's in his fifth year of division one and I'm hopefully entering my first year of professional hockey here. And we want to shine the light on the process. And like we just talked about, everyone has a story. Everyone has a path. I don't care if it's sports or, you know, your career, whatever it may be. So we've been trying to get a really broad spectrum of guests. We had the NASA flight director on, uh, Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, along with a ton of athletes. And it's been really cool because everyone has different advice. And we've kind of been trying to talk about the hard things. You know, we've had um, guests who have gone through depression. We've had multiple guests who have um, contemplated and even attempted suicide. And they're really hard things to talk about, but they're they're really important. And I think right now, I've had more friends struggling with mental health in the last six months than I have in my whole life. And that's probably a part of being older and more mature, but it's also a part of this quarantine because it's really shut everything down and it's shut people out from their support groups, from, you know, their safe havens, you know, for you and me, it's uh, a sheet of ice and they close down a rink, close down a gym. Yeah. You might be saving people from the virus, but you're, you're really hurting people's mental health, your physical health, because now you can't work out and, um, we're very social creatures. We need that human interaction. So a lot of people have been struggling and, um, for those reasons, and also, you know, just advice on the grind. And at the end of the day, some good stories too, because I've learned some crazy things about people that I never knew. And I learned a lot of crazy things about people that I've known for years. And so it's been really fun to have a platform to, you know, help people, open up and share their stories and like we talked about it's really fun too yeah exactly it's it's so much fun just talking to like random random elite elite athletes athletes are going through the same thing you're going going through and like they want to help you get to that next level and get to 
keep developing. So like, it's so much fun, like hearing their stories and like all the advice they're giving you and just, they want you to succeed. Like that's like every person that I've talked to wants you wants like the viewers, themselves, myself to succeed in life and in the sport that, that you chose. So it's definitely, it's definitely like brings everyone together. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not something I ever saw myself doing, but now that we're, you know, 34 episodes in, it's, I'm really happy that we are. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any, uh, you got, got any more special guests coming on? Yeah, we have a few things lined up. Um, hoping to get Pierre Maguire on here soon. Um, I, we had him lined up and apparently he just did an episode of spit and chiclets. So a little rattled about that, but, um, We'll, we'll change it up. We'll listen to that episode and, you know, try and dig deeper because Spin Checklets obviously is more about the, you know, the funny, the dirt stories and, you know, we're yeah. more about, um, you know, how he's overcome his path to success. But, um, yeah, besides that, it, it's, it's fun. You just reach out to different people and see who they know. Like we got Larry Robinson on, 10-time Stanley Cup champion, and it, just talking about the podcast in the locker room one day and, one of the guys we trained with was like, Oh, I billeted with Larry Robinson's niece. Maybe I can get him on. We're like, that's a crazy connection that I never knew existed. And next thing you know, I have Larry Robinson's email and we're shooting back and forth about when we can do an interview. So um, that side of it's definitely been fun, but it is hard to find guests. It's hard to find, you know, quality content. Like we talked about, uh, you know, week by week. I guess we've done it, like I said, about 34, 35 times by now. But um, it's it's cool because as it grows, more people reach out as well. They're like, hey, I know so-and-so. Or you know, people will reach out personally and be like, hey, I, I struggle with all these things and I'd love to share my story. So um, can't ruin any of the surprise guests yet, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good. Like all, all your episodes are great. So it doesn't matter. Who's coming I appreciate on. that. doesn't matter who's coming on. I already know it's going to be great. So there we go. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So that that's awesome. Everything you've been saying, like this whole episode has been awesome. Like got some great valuable information for all our viewers out there that are listening. So Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. I want to wish you the best of luck going forward with, with the season, hopefully starting soon. And maybe, maybe I'll take a trip down to Cincinnati if fans are allowed, of course. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know who to reach out to for tickets. Hopefully uh, we can get people in the building and play some hockey soon. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed meeting you and discussing some of these, some of these important things. Yeah, no problem. It's been, it was fun.